0: You're listening to the Real Estate Insider Podcast. A bold look at reality, news, analysis, strategies and opinions direct from the veteran team at the RAIN Research Institute with today's host, real estate strategist, Russell Westcott.
1: Hello, everyone. It's Russell Westcott from the Real Estate Investment Network. And thanks for attending this very, very exclusive uh, economic conference call. Our intention for this conference call is I have two experts on the line tonight, and it's all about being a guiding light. We're going to do a little bit of a recap into 2015. We're going to turn our attention into what the New Year's looks like. And also, we're going to talk real estate and also economics. So without any further ado, I'm going to welcome my two expert guests First and foremost, uh, please welcome to the call this evening, Mr. Don Campbell. Don is the Senior Analyst of the Real Estate Investment Network. Good evening, Don. How are you?
0: Great, Russ. Thank you very much. And thank you to all the listeners for helping me to uh, <laughs> delay this conference call. Um, and, and especially thank you for all the amazing uh, positive comments and supportive comments for my mom after, after she broke her hip, etc. On my Facebook page, uh, you guys have no idea how, how powerful that's been. So thank you very, very much.
1: Well, I'm glad that uh and I believe Ginger's feeling much better and she's up and around already, Don, isn't she?
0: <laughs> she's a Campbell, man. She's moving. Yeah.
1: There's nothing stopping you once you're down, right? Yeah. And my other expert guest this evening, uh, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the line. Uh, the CEO of the Rain Group of Companies, Mr. Patrick Franci. Hey, Patrick, how are you doing this evening?
2: I'm terrific, Russell. Um, thanks for uh putting this together and uh, kind of handling the logistics behind of, of what we're doing here. So, and thanks for uh, Don, for you uh, getting through what you had to get through to make this call happen. Uh, really excited about getting into the details of what's going on economically, uh, supporting our members in, uh, with a bunch of great information, great insights. And uh, yeah, I'm just looking forward to having a great conversation with Don and, and Russ. Let, let's get
1: right to it so Don you know i 'm going to throw this first uh, first question out to you if you will. If You can give us a little bit of insights you know there 's lots of changes going on in the economy uh, lots of changes uh, politically, lots of things climate change so there's, there's there's nothing there's not a shortage of conversation we can have, but maybe before we get started uh into all those other conversations. What's, what are your thoughts on what's going on on a global basis? What are some of the uh, forces at play on a global basis that w- may have some ripples that will come into the uh, Canadian housing market, Don? Well,
0: it's an interesting time. As they say, uh, may you live in interesting times. Uh, we've, got, we've been doing this uh, analysis and studying for 24 years of the Canadian real estate market, as well as the UK and Australia, etc. and paid very close attention to the the international approach to Canadian real estate because when we're in it like when we're in it it's it's very difficult to see the forest for the trees Canadian pun intended is that a lumberjack over there the um, <laughs> but f- frankly you know when I when I'm blessed to be able to get out of the country and look back and talk to the people who are looking back at Canada they're seeing, they're they're a little bit confused frankly especially the big capital they're a little bit confused because Canada right now is a is a considered a safe haven for capital. Um, a lot of capital actually just coming here just to be parked during all of the turmoil that's happening in Europe and the turmoil that's happening in Asia and the cleanup of the, um, the uh, corruption in Asia. You're seeing lots of capital flowing around, and it's going to New Zealand, it's going to Canada, and it's going to somewhat in the States, but the, even that's getting a little bit uh, interesting in the world view. You know, even see Engel and Volkers opens up a a a, um, a, a large real estate uh, brokerage right in Vancouver. Uh, Engel and Volkers is one of the biggest uh, German uh, Remax equivalents, and, and uh, they're going to be bringing capital over in smaller chunks, right? So they're going to be the smaller investors coming in. So Canada is still considered a safe haven. Um, and I know that if you go on Facebook or the internet or on, on media channels, it, it feels like it, like the world is crumbling around us. I want to say right now, it's not crumbling around us, but the ripples are all, you know, buffeting our economy and buffeting buffering our housing market right now. And um, there there are lots of things coming down the pipe that uh, could have a positive and or negative effect. You know, the elections, etc.
1: Patrick, do you have some uh, some further insights to dive into that? And as well, uh, before we uh, before you jump in there, Patrick, uh, Don, I want to talk next about um, maybe how oil and on an oil on a global basis is impact here in Canada as well.
2: You know, I think for me, um, I want to you know a couple things around all of this as we kind of dive into this whole conversation, Don and Russell. And, and I want to you know for the listeners on this call, you know, Don and I talk lots about what's going on economically, and I think it's important for I think it's helpful and important for everybody to understand that when Don and I are talking about the economics and what's going on and how we see things globally and discussing what he's picked up on or what I've picked up on we are I think it's important for everybody on this call to understand that we're coming at this from a place of being investors. We uh, you know our whole team are investors but ultimately when Don and I are having this conversation as much as we're looking at it from a point of view that uh, of rain members and and the, the listeners that we have We're looking at this and dissecting it for ourselves as well. This is exactly the conversations we're having between us. Whether we were to share these insights with members or not, this is how we go through the process of determining what we're going to do with our own portfolio. And then we can look at it from a point of view of, okay, as educators, as leaders, as guides, to our listeners, our Rain members, what is it we think it is that is the perspective that is important to share? So, you know, I've always said that the one great thing about Don and 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 I use a term he's a little quirky around how he looks at things, and that's the actual gift that he brings to all of us is his perception and his uh, his analysis of things. He looks at a, a global economic. Uh, like the macro look and then the micro is just a different view. And I think it's really important. So I want to kind of pre position where we're coming from when we're having these conversations as we dig through it. Uh, these aren't, you know, pre rehearsed conversations. We're looking at this as, as exactly the same way we look at it for ourselves. And then we're sharing this information as the leaders and guides that we intend to be and want to be for you as Rain members. So as we look at the global market, Dawn, um, you know, there's a number of topics that we can break down you know there's politics uh what's going on with oil and and oil and then of course in alberta for example what's going on with oil and gas and ontario manufacturing and the impact of all of that so you know where do you want to see you know what do you think is important for us to share on our insights with members right now where do we want to start and and say let's break this down pragmatically because you know that's how i think um what's your thoughts around that well, I think that we start with the, the uh thank you by the way. Uh, I think
0: that we you start quirky. Okay, I'll go with quirky. I, I'll accept that by the way. Um uh, the uh, the we start with the the international view as I was saying is they they're looking back and they're kind of going, "Wait a second. Um so you've got a a province that is energy oriented that has elected a government that seems to be anti-oil and gas. And that confuses the you-know-what out of out of anybody who's not in it, right? No. And um, so they look at that, and they see some of the policies that are coming, and they're they're a little bit confused. So that taps the brakes on, eh, maybe we won't be putting any more capital into that region until clarity comes. And then following that, it was really funny, I landed right after the uh, federal election, and uh, and they look at it and they go, Oh, that's really interesting. So now you're, you're, uh, you're going to start running massive deficits. Um, you're one of the few countries that has a fantastic uh, credit rating. Um, so you're going to run uh, these massive deficits. So what we, as the large lenders, this is the people outside the country, are looking back and going, well, that means that you're probably going to lose your top rate, your top rating for um, debt rating. And, that means that you'll be paying a higher interest rate in order to borrow the money to fill the deficit. So th- they don't care what the politics or the color uh, is at all of the, of the tie that the person's wearing. It's all about how the country is being perceived. And so w- they look at it and they kind of go, hmm. So that means that your um, underlying interest rates, the long-term interest rates, will start really creeping up uh, fairly quickly and uh, the, the Bank of Canada can't move their, their interest rate because the economy is slowing. So you're going to start to see a gap in there. So that's number one, is we're going to see those long-term locked-in rates start to creep up because those who are buying our debt are saying, yeah, you're a bit of higher risk now because of what you're doing politically in the country. So you do that. And then you see the Saudis and OPEC say, we're going to create 900,000 barrels more a day of oil than is needed by the world. And that means that they're just going to keep the price down low, keep trying to price out some of the uh, some of the players like uh, Russia, like the shale uh, in the U.S. And uh, until this country figures out that, wait a minute, we could be energy efficient or energy sufficient on our own and start (laughs) figuring that, figuring that we don't have to import from Libya and the U.S., et cetera, back east, um, you know we will be struggling economically. You know, without without Alberta's job growth over the last seven years, um, Canada would be pretty flat on job growth, if not if not negative. So we have to look at the big, big picture. Let's not be regional as far as fighting with each other or, or, or political, fighting with each other. I can't believe that they did this and they did this. The, the reality is the reality. So as a strategic investor, uh, Patrick, you and I talked about this last week. Is that we've done this for so long that we we know that when times start getting a little bit tougher, uh, people move men- mentally from strategic investor, you know, on the on the paradigm of of uh, investment, and a lot of them slide almost all the way back to just the consumer mentality, where they get caught up in the headlines and they 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 stop doing what they need to do in the in the Canadian secrets of the Canadian real estate cycle. Um, as you go through the cycle, it's very clear that you have to change what actions you're doing as the cycle progresses. And frankly, you look at at Hamilton. Hamilton's in in Ontario is going to do incredibly well over the next little while because the dollar is getting weaker and the manufacturing is going to start taking off. We're on the opposite side, the Alberta market, which has gone up 15 and 12 and 20 and nine and 17 percent a year. The normalization is at 150, 160 miles an hour. So it it, it gets to the point where you, where at, when it slows down, um, everybody starts to freak out. Now there's an interesting dynamic in Alberta that we can talk about later on. But we really have to not get caught up in the consumer. We have to stay thinking like strategic investors. If you if you stop taking action, whether it's you don't even have to buy if you don't want to buy, but you need to proactively manage what you've got when the times get a little bit tighter. So,
1: Don, would you, would you if I was to summarize a lot of what you said, and, and I, I, first and foremost, ladies and gentlemen, I should have mentioned at the beginning, you better have a pen and paper handy because you will be taking lots and lots of notes. But I made a, a key note right now, economically speaking, we we're, we're entering a time of a little bit of confusion, a little bit of uncertainty, and also maybe some economic headwinds. You will.
0: Oh, absolutely we absolutely are. But what but there's nothing that that there's nothing in economics that says everything stays stable all the time and nothing in economics that says everything goes up in price all the time. I.E. real estate, some rents, etc. Everything is on a cycle and that and uh in that secrets of Canadian real estate cycle book, it just walks you through how to read the cycle. And then when Black swans, which is an economic term for um, relatively unforeseen issues coming floating in (laughs) into the economy uh, that aren't based in the actual economic reality, Uh, when those show up, you must adjust while they're around. And then once they float away again, then you get back onto the cycle. It's it's really quite uh, interesting. And, And Patrick said something really, 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 really important, and that was. When we're talking about these things in the office, when we're talking about all of these different pieces, it's not because we geek out on them, it, they, although I do, frankly, but uh, it's because we have large investments ourselves in these markets across the country. And, uh, and the RAIN members have, well, I think it's over $4.5 billion worth of real estate across the country. So it, we do it, I do it for for fun, obviously because I love it. But it also is because we we have some, a lot of chips in the game, so we need to obsess about this stuff, and we need to stay in that strategic investor mindset. And that's what we love. And watch the, watch Facebook and watch uh, the social media and the bloggers. They love hiding in the fear and to scare the crap out of people, but they forget the whole bit about telling people what to do during these. Less clear times. They just love to throw the grenade in the room and run out. And that's not what we're going to do. And now is not the time for flipping in Calgary or flipping in, in Edmonton. Um, you know, I heard some ads around that the other day. Now's not the time for that. It, it doesn't make any sense. Now's the time
2: to be strategic. Sir, I just want to interrupt on that, on this point. I think there's a, there's a couple of places here that I want to, you know, just add some depth to what we're talking about. You know, there's, you know don you'd agree i know you would agree as would russell that part as as real estate investors as business owners as entrepreneurs uh, whatever that is there's such a psychological part of the game you know there's that whole um you know the analysis is one part of it and and one of the reasons we do the analysis is to come some sometimes overcome the the psychology of Holy cow! Is the, is the world caving in? To your point, Don, you just can't help but be impacted by the bloggers. You know, I, I read columnists and I go, you know, that I think to myself, I want to comment on them. Like, I want to go, are you out of your mind? Like, where do you get this perspective? And where, you know, why have you earned the right to share it on a, in a national, you know, magazine based on what? It, it drives me crazy. Those are my little pet peeves. But the realization, the ones who, are, who
0: have who have always been renters.
2: Exactly. exactly. Don't, don't understand that what it's like to have hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars in the market, right? One hundred percent. And so, you know, one of the things that I love about the work that we do, and and the fact that we are we do have skin in the game, we do have a lot of uh, uh, of money tied up in uh, in in real estate because we believe, and it's proven itself for us and others, is that we get to share some of the way that we work and some of the things that we have to overcome. You know, we're we're you know, a, a group of people that invest in real estate, we have to overcome the psychology part of it. But getting grounded in the reality of uh, of the economics of the analysis that we do. And and this isn't about, you know, when these in these economic kind of these turbulent times and these confused times, um, I always get grounded in what's real. And I I take a step back from it. Because it's really easy to hit the brake and then start making decisions from a survival mode or a reactive mode. Uh, it's just not smart in the world of real estate investing, and it will limit your success. You know, my own thought around it, Don, and we can you know, maybe talk about it from what, how you see it, is that when this stuff happens, it's looking at the analysis, but doing the analysis from a place of, okay, this is really crazy what's going on. It's so confusing. There's so much un- economic uncertainty. It's looking at it from a perspective and asking yourself the question, where's the opportunity? What do I owe to myself and my investment partners, perhaps? Where can I take advantage of what's going on and very, being very methodical and thoughtful, mindful of my decisions, where I can actually take advantage of the low uh, lending rates that are happening, take advantage of the opportunities that exist in an uncertain market like this and move forward very strategically and thoughtfully based on all of this confusions that going on as opposed to being impacted psychologically of you know the sky is falling because all of these doom and gloomers say so and that's not to say that it isn't a time to be cautious i'm saying it is a time to be cautious but it's not a time to be shut down whether you're just starting investing or whether you've got an existing portfolio to dawn's point to all of our point is this is a time to say okay It's a time to shift strategy. It's a time to say, okay, where's the opportunity and what do I have to do to make sure that I'm uh, leveraging, monetizing, capitalizing on all of the things that I've got in play right now? How do I risk mitigate? How do I leverage existing stuff? So, you know, that's a little bit of a, my point of that is that I want to share with the listeners, you know, the conversations that we have, the thought processes that we go through are no different than yours. And so if we can just be the leaders and guides and and having you shift that, that's why Don does what he does. That's why Russell and I do what we do. And when we were looking at our own portfolios, does that communicate Don Russell? Yep. It does. And,
1: and you mentioned that, and I wrote down the word that you talked about opportunity. You probably mentioned like three or four different times. What is the opportunity in that? And I'm a firm believer on what you focus on you will get more of. So if you keep focusing on what the opportunity is and what can be the opportunity of this situation, this situation, protect yourself, what's the opportunity, you will focus and you will get more uh, attracted, more opportunity to you. So so hope you don't mind, if we, just switch gears, Don. You, you started down a path a little bit about talking a little bit of regional um, differences. And I'll tell you what, never before have I seen such regional differences right now. And Patrick and I were just joking, you know, we were joking about, uh, you know, about Grand Prairie region, you know, the difference between like a Grand Prairie and a Dawson Creek, which are two hours apart, and there's like completely different, uh, different economics going on in different regions. So why don't we just maybe start out far east? You, you touched on Hamilton. Maybe some of, the, some of the things that are going on out in Ontario. We'll, we'll talk about Ontario, and then we'll move all the way to the west coast, and then we'll touch a little bit more about Alberta. So if you can just maybe do a little bit of commentary about, economically speaking, what's happening out eastern Canada way.
0: Sure, absolutely. You know, you're, you're still seeing that uh, Halifax uh, region is um, – is... what happened, of course, is they announced the shipbuilding uh, project. A lot of speculators ran in there, waiting, and we kept saying, "Wait a second, wait till the jobs start hiring, but a lot of speculators ran in there and, and pushed the prices up, and so you 'll probably see a softening of prices in that region until things start to uh, the, 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 a lot more jobs are being created in the, in the area so we 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 saw it go up, you know the rents didn't go up commensurate with the uh, with the prices and and I still think Halifax is such a great long-term play, but you have to be very patient. You know, you, you look at Montreal. Montreal is a, a very strong rental market, but their um, landlord-tenant laws are. Um, uh, if you're gonna let, let's say it this way, if you're gonna go into there, you're going to have to learn an awful lot of different things that you don't have to learn uh, in the rest of Canada. But I know that some Rain members have done very well in that in that uh, region by cracking the code. Um, now, if we jump into uh, Ontario. Boy, oh boy, there's there's a there's a province that is in, in an interesting situation. You know, you've got um, once again, we're the, you know, I don't want to keep bringing up politics, but politics plays such a role in the economy, especially in Canada. It's, it seems like uh, it seems like more than most countries, the the politics plays a major role in the economy and the confidence. And um, you know what? Right now, they're selling beer in the grocery stores. Woohoo, that's the big highlight. Well, maybe they should start figuring out how to get the deficit down and get their, uh, their credit rating back up. Uh but 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 frankly, uh you're going to have some leadership happening in that in that pro- in that province. You're going to be the Hamilton market, the Kitchener Kitchener-Waterloo-Cambridge market going to be uh strong. Uh you're going to see in the Toronto market they're just not making any more dirt, you know that old saying, and that's why the The demand for condos is so strong and um, but more importantly, if you take a look at a graph and and there you can find them all over the place where you see the average condo price from two thousand and eight to today relatively flat, but the average sale price of, of Toronto's gone up crazy, so how does that work? Well, you take a look at all the all the ground oriented uh units like the uh townhouses and the semis and the and the fourplexes and the uh sh- the smaller um like uh, suites houses with suites in in uh, Scarborough and Leslieville and all the spots ar- around Toronto where the the dirt is a major player those prices have gone completely completely off the chart And that's where the average sale price changes. Now, as a strategic investor, I know all of you that are listening always separate the two and make sure that you're uh, analyzing right down to the neighborhood and right down to the type of property. But the headlines um, and what Bank of Canada is looking at is the average sale price. And um, you're going to see that continue to go up because dirt is so valuable in the, the GTA and why you're starting to see in the 905 region a lot more demand especially along the LRT. Look at Vaughn. Vaughn's going to do so incredibly well because of the new LRT, or I guess we'll call it the subway TTC system going up up there. And, you know, they've, they've got some, I think they've got financing or most of the funding in for the Eglinton line on the subway. Uh, Scarborough's going to do uh, very, very well. And uh, But you make sure you pick your neighborhoods when you're out there. Um, get a very, very good uh, strategic uh, realtor. And, um but, you know, once again, Kitchener, Waterloo, Cambridge, and look at Waterloo's going to have their own LRT. So what do you do? You go and – I know the prices have gone up around the around the stations. Of course it has. That's what, that's what we've been preaching for the last 15 years. But they're still going – the demand is still going to be there uh, around those stations and that uh, new uh, Waterloo um, LRT. So Barry, Aurelia, super strong. Um, hey, man, you're even getting a Costco up in Aurelia now, they say. So uh, the population's growing, transportation's growing, uh, they're adding trains, they're adding larger parking lots up there for the go train. So lifestyle choice, you know, millennials are digging the old berry because you've got access to downtown Toronto, like right in the core, and you still get the, the dirt where you can raise your children to run around in the backyard. So those kind of spots are going to uh, continue to do very well.
1: And, and you'd also you're also on the record of saying, based upon a lot of the uh, the new political uh, announcements that have been made, uh, transportation and technology are going to be two heavily funded areas. And you know, if you can find an area like the Tri Cities, Kitchener, Waterloo, Cambridge, that are getting both transportation and technology, you could uh, have a you know a double hit there, couldn't you?
0: Yeah, that's true, especially if the government comes through with any of their province Correct, yeah. promises. Yes. Um, you know, that, That's kind of important. You, know, you can get elected saying anything nowadays, but, uh, but if they actually are going to throw that money, go into deep, deep deficit and throw that money at uh, LRT, there are some LRT projects in Surrey, British Columbia, in uh, Hamilton. Hamilton's got that kind of laid out. Uh, the extension in in toronto um they're even even talking about another extension in Calgary, but unfortunately, yesterday or day before yesterday, the provincial government went, "Oh ah, yeah, maybe we don't have the funds to help you build that, so that might put that on hold um, it, there's so many things that uh, I, that I've, uh, i I want to really get clear with the, the strategic investors who are listening never ever invest based on a thought or an idea or a political promise. Only invest after it starts to occur. But don, the prices have all will have already gone up by that point. I said, yeah, but you're buying from the speculators, those guys who like to make, you know, twenty grand or thirty grand and and feel like geniuses. Um, what you're doing is you're buying into a market that you know, from a research point of view, is is strong and the demand is going to increase. And you can ride that thing for 5, 10, 15, 20 years. And, uh, and, and that's how you build retirement, not making twenty and $30,000 on a transaction. So um, guessing and hoping and buying and, and that stuff, this is the exact wrong time to be doing that. It, the exact right time is to be uh, reading the research. Maybe you can put a, a link uh, here where they can go get the research reports. They get them free, for free from the Rain Canada site On the top investment towns and the the transportation and the millennials and those are the things that really are going to play into um into the canadian housing market right now because we're about to get in alberta they just got a new pst but they just haven't called it a pst right they've done it they've come out with the carbon tax which is in in essence a tax on anything that moves and anything that supports anything that moves So you're going to see uh, that PST kind of take money out of out of people's pockets, probably your renters. And there's a now attack, uh, now a conversation around that uh, being extended nationally. So that's like a GST plus a GST, if you know what I mean. So um, whether it helps on the environment or not, that's not our discussion here. What what the discussion is is that we have to watch the real things that are occurring in the market and in the economy. And um, if they have more money to spend on transit, it's your money, by the way, you who are listening. Um, it's your tax dollars, so you might as well profit from them. So if they go and build something, go surround it, and that's where the demand is going to be, and that will put money back into your pocket, hopefully as much as they took out to pay for it.
1: We jump out to the West Coast. Uh, Patrick, you have a, a few insights you'd like to jump in there on?
2: Not so much, yeah. Maybe some insights, but more, you know, just a quick, you know, conversation about when we talk about uh, in this in this conversation, we we're talking about what's going on when you're looking at the demand for dirt, you know, um, and what's going on in Toronto. Of course, we know what's going on in downtown Toronto and the the units that are being built, the small, you know, closet size uh, units that people are. Speculating in buying some of them are buying you know and investing in others are buying to rent all, and, and whatever that strategy is, so you know I think you know to your point, Don, is that we look at things you know slightly differently, some people will want to get into pre build and that speculative market it 's just being clear that if that 's your strategy, then really own that strategy called speculation, and if you want to make twenty or thirty grand that 's fine that 's just generally not the conversation we have, but that 's an aside you know for me, Don. What's your thoughts? You know, I, I know I have my own opinion on the millennials and what's going on. We'll use Ontario as an example in Toronto, because of course a lot of these units are being built to accommodate that millennial mindset, you know, mindset around transportation. You know, I don't want to have to uh, own a car. I, I just want to be able to, you know, walk to work or you know, jump on an LRT and be there in in, a, in short order. Uh, and that's all showing up. It's actually, you know, playing out. But it's interesting that as I pay attention to the millennials, you know, I've got a 30-year-old daughter, for example. And um, what I'm also seeing to the point what you're making about what's going on in these outlying areas where dirt is really cool is, as we know, millennials are going to grow up. So as I'm looking at that, let's say a 35-year-old, 33-year-old, what I'm starting to see happen, of course, is... They do exactly what people do. You know, they meet uh, a significant other. All of a sudden, they've got a girlfriend. All of a sudden, they're talking family. And the next thing you know, guess what? 600 square feet doesn't really make sense when you've got a know, soon-to-be wife and or a wife and the plans for having a child. You know, now the you know some of those millennials will, in fact, maintain that attitude. But I'm seeing more and more people going back, more and more millennials that are aging now, aging if that's the right term, um, going back to the roots of you know I want a home, I want a backyard, I want what I grew up in and um and so all of a sudden you know i 'm looking at toronto and and what 's your opinion on it i 'm saying, okay, how long will that sustain? How long will those millennials have that attitude? What will this look like in five and six years do you have any do you have any thoughts on that don
0: yeah don 't question I think that the millennials uh, uh like all of us. The baby boomers, you know what? Well, we protested everything, <laughs> and and got sprayed with lots of water, and uh, you know all that kind of stuff. Uh, the millennials are doing the same thing. They're, you know, we, we, right now it's climate change. Before it was uh, something else, and we we were against the war, and we we're doing all this stuff, right? So, so it's exact. It's kind of fun to watch history repeat itself. But not just fun, but it's strategic as to history repeats itself. So we were anti disestablishment and you know, all those different things back as the baby boomers. And right now it seems to be the opposite. It's pro establishment, which is very, very interesting. And, um, so as we go through, through this process, you're going to see exactly what happened to the baby boomers. Um, start to occur in the world of the millennials. But that's not going to be for another 10 years because they're just pretty well, pretty well, the actual millennials are really hitting the market powerfully in 2015, 2016. And, uh, and that's just going to increase over the next five, six years. But it's a, it's that idea of digging it and living downtown and uh, you know what, I can make this work, this one, one uh, bedroom or studio apartment. Uh, but like you said, They start, oh, I don't want to say that because we're talking about your daughter, but they start to have babies or something like that, for instance. And then what happens from that, of course, is you start to say, well, wait a second, I need dirt. Okay, well, you're not going to get dirt as a millennial generally unless you have two very high-income earners in the GTA. So what's going to happen there is if they really, really want dirt, they're going to be pushed out to the ends of the uh, TTC, or even the ends of the GO train, so hence the Barrie uh, Barry region, hence the Vaughan region, which is, I, I know it's expensive, but I think that you'll see some townhouse style properties up there be driven towards the that next generation and hence the reason hamilton because it's it's got it's, it's got some funkiness to it at the same time as uh, it's close to to uh, mcmaster and it's it's close to kitchener waterloo cambridge but there's a go train that runs down so those kind of things patrick right now at at their age that buying of that you know 700 square foot condo is just it's the thing that they they are doing um, and taking the transit. But you're, you're right. The reality will set in, and the proper schools will start to come into play. Um, the access to the lifestyle and the parks, et cetera, will start to come into play. And the the cities that are planning for that already, uh, you know, re-gentrifying their downtown core to have a, a – uh, I use that term again – a funky kind of I-want-to-go-there type of feel – those who are having um, um, more of the lifestyle, pedway kind of areas um, are, are going to win in the long term. And if that's true, then that's where we should be investing, is in, the, in those cities with a vision for that next generation, uh, not the baby boom generation. The one-bedroom, I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm incredibly cautious about the long-term viability of one-bedroom condos, um, the next five years, I'm sure they'll be great. But after that, I think you're going to start to see the demand shift because the other thing that millennials are having is they're going to have more jobs than we ever did in a lifetime. You know, They're going to be on contracts. They're going to be working um, uh, in, in many, many different projects for many different uh, companies throughout their lifetime. And uh, that means they're probably also going to need an office to be working at home. Well, once you have a studio or a one-bedroom and you get married – or, or you have a uh, have a partner you're living with, and you need to work at home, and then you throw in a child or two. Guess what happens? Hmm. It you have to move, or else you'll you'll uh, you'll implode. And that's the trend, uh, the psychology trend, and the real estate trend, and the economic reality trend. Is it's going to push it into those regions that do have uh, larger units,
2: which is to me just a, an emphasis, Don, in what we talk about, and what we teach, and what we speak of from stage. Is really being thoughtful and clear on what your strategy is, and understanding that when you have a long-term strategy, these are just some of the things that you're going to want to consider. You know, earlier on, you mentioned Costco and Aurelia. I think you said yes. Um, but we've always said, you know, follow the money. When we're looking at the power centers that are being built around a Costco or a shopper's drug mart or any of those national organizations on the fringe of town, you know, some people, you know, sometimes people will go, What the heck are they doing out there? But we all know, you know, you and, well, the three of us on this call have known and seen many, many times over the year. That these national chains do their homework. They do their research. They know exactly why they're moving and setting up a power center where they're setting. You know, Shoppers Drug Mart or Costco, in this conversation that you mentioned. I mean, they're making, they're, they're setting us, they're building a store there because they're looking into the future a lot of years in a long term. And I think we as investors have to look at that and go, okay, if we were to follow the money, what would that mean to us? What does that look like? Where are the opportunities in those areas that we're uh, actually following the lead of people who have done research before us as well?
0: Yep, yeah. a- absolutely. And I think that what that does is, um, is it allows you to be, play both offense and defense uh, when the market slows as it does inevitably in every city um, if you 've bought well and strategically not based on price but based on future demand and um uh, and and quality of location i.e. LRT or wherever wherever it is in your town then you 're buffered so if the, even if the market drops like ten percent in those types of areas, you see the the value of barely go down it's just like the stock market you buy buy something quality that is um that has a lot of demand for its product and uh, and has a high reputation in in a stock guess what sure the the dow can drop 300 points but your quality value stock would drop down just a little bit and if you, even if it dropped a lot it would pop back up very quickly and that's that's the strategic mentality that every single one of us has to adopt when we're buying real estate, because in good times, like what, and this, this is something, having seen three of these cycles already, in good times, the market will cover your butt and make your uh, make some of your less than strategic investments that's better than saying poor investments, <laughs> less than strategic investments um, it will protect you from the downside. Uh, because the market's on its way up, and you know the tide's pushing all the boats up. But it's when the the tide starts to go back out that you start to see those who bought strategically are protected for, on the downside much more than those who just bought because hey, I got this great price. So think, 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 think and be strategic, and use the research. You know, uh, uh, yeah, we do the research here at Rain for the last 24 years because it's fun. I keep saying that it's fun for us. But we put it out to the public because it's important. It makes a difference, especially when the market slows, as in 2008, as in to 1993, as in to 1999, you know, etc., etc. You can identify where this research that we put out on a regular basis uh, has saved a lot of people uh, a lot of money on the downside and allowed them to take action while others sat in their basement um, shivering.
1: So I just wrote down another note here. For if you're keeping track of, you know, we've talked about opportunities. Millennials is a fantastic opportunity. I've had a great conversation with uh, people that are, you know, developing. And they're developing with millennials in mind, walking communities, having places with suites in it so that you can get a ground-oriented unit, that you can actually have a rental helper, uh, building places that are energy efficient, all kinds of uh, alternative energy uh, solutions for houses. So catering towards that up-and-coming next homebuyer. So, great opportunities uh, all, all around. Now, Don, um, shifting gears out, let it's cross the country at one fall swoop, if you will. Uh, we're going from eastern Canada all the way out to uh, western Canada into British Columbia. Almost every day you see a, a headline of record-breaking prices and uh, red-hot Vancouver and prices pushing well over millions of dollars on an average house price. So, so what, what's going on the, in the Lower Mainland and then outside of Lower Mainland for British Columbia. It, it
0: is is—it's um, it's actually quite interesting. You know, where, where, There's a lot of talk about the bubble and the this and the that and oh my goodness, what happens if interest rates go up a quarter of a point and you know, the world's going to end, the world's going to end. And, and so I, I've just been diving deeply into the numbers here and the same trend that we saw in the GTA is also occurring in, in Vancouver where the average sale price of condos is relatively flat, it's the dirt, again, once again, those uh, Shaughnessy houses, the West Van houses, the, the houses that, are, that have um, a large lots and have been around a long time, the value of those things have just gone completely through the roof. And, of course, when you have a lot of transactions, which we are seeing um, a lot of investors buying those, those large houses and those expensive houses uh, to park their capital – when you have that you see that it skews an average sale price towards a higher higher number this is basic math and uh, but you, you are seeing the, the condos being relatively stable and a very interesting uh interesting graphic uh, graphic put out by CMHC uh that we that we saw at the rain meeting and that was the average payment in chained dollars like in, in exactly the same dollars like $1980 is is almost exactly the same as it was twenty twenty five years ago, and Russ, maybe I could, maybe you could um, find that in that CMHC presentation and put that out to people as well. It's it, it was mind blowing that the cost in the same dollars is roughly the same in in um, Vancouver as it was even twenty years ago. So we have to understand that Vancouver is not different than the rest of the world. It is uh, a market where dirt's really expensive, um, hence the reason that condos are in high demand. And, yes, you always see the, oh, my God, there's a million-dollar teardown. Can you imagine a $2 million teardown I saw yesterday? Um, And that's not the world in which we play as strategic investors. That's a number, and it's a a unique market. Uh, It's a developer market or a uh, uh, capital-saving kind of market. Because Vancouver is considered a, 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 one of those world cities that people are planting, international people are planting their money just to kind of just protect it. And um, so let's look at the, that entry level. Let's look at the Surrey's and the Abbotsford's. And, uh, and as we go around, you start to see those types of areas be the better spots for the long-term investor. Because A, um, they, the economic growth is going to be strong um they're 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 open for business so businesses who can't afford to be in vancouver anymore are moving out there and therefore creating jobs out in those regions uh you've got some more available dirt so the townhouses etc are are affordable you know i did a quick view uh just be, just because of the conversation we had around uh mom and dad etc i was looking for a, a, a two-bedroom condo two baths um in uh, Abbotsford where they could be where they could be uh living the next stage of their life and i am not- 'm not kidding there are some beautiful units there for a hundred and nine thousand dollars and I went, you know they're renting for eight hundred nine hundred dollars a month, and I go, well, wait a second that 's an economy that's on its way up and you're able to get at a decent price. Don't buy anything until I get my mom and dad's thing, just saying. <laughs> but at the same time, uh, you're seeing those kind of regions are where the strategic smart investors are moving their money. Um, and in Vancouver, it's more of a speculative market where it's, it's, it's on such a tear that you could buy anything and then sell anything in about a year and make a bunch of money. But eventually the music stops in that market, and if you've bought the wrong style of property – Um, then you're going to see values just kind of stay flat. So strategic once again. And the new um, LRT line that's going out to Port Moody and beyond, Evergreen Line, uh, is funded. It's being built. It will be open 2017, it sounds like, which gives you a window of opportunity to be buying out in those regions around the stations or access to those stations or the towns that are a little bit farther out that can do park and ride from from those stations, they're going to have a major major growth spurt in the next five years.
1: Patrick, do you have uh, any further insights? Uh, you have some uh, some properties in the Lower Mainland as well, and uh, and you're actually looking at uh, some other properties as well. So what the, what's, what the, what would you add to the to Don's comments there?
2: I, I don't know that I'd add so much. It's just that it's always interesting, you know, over the years um, of seeing the stark differences that seem to happen in during economic times, you know, to over the, the over the many years, the differences between uh you know, central Canada and and western Canada. Um I'm always intrigued in in watching how these things unfold and there always seems to be that uh, kind of a teeter-totter effect. It's just, it, it seems that, you know, when when Ontario's boom in Western Canada seems to go down, and vice versa, and in this case, it's 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 just a different market. You know, uh, BC is is being really quite strong right now, and, and 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 confusing. You know, because people are reading headlines about what's going on in Vancouver, but to Don's point, that sure, certainly doesn't represent the Lower Mainland or Fraser Valley, and uh, so there's great opportunities. In this, and when we talk about strategy and being strategic, we keep saying that, keep seeing that it's, and, and it, but I don't know how else to say about being thoughtful and looking at the opportunities that present themselves when you think from a place of going, Okay, I'm an investor, um, I want to consider what my outcome is. You know, if I'm in the game for a short term? Am I in the game for a long term? What is the intended outcome? Then I can look at BC and go, okay, knowing what's going on in British Columbia, and I'm looking at, you know, northern BC versus the lower mainland or Fraser Valley, for example, I'm then making a decision from and working backwards from what my intended outcome is. If I'm looking at a 10-year, 15-year, 25-year investment, what is it I'm trying to do? So I see, uh, you know, once again, I see lower mainland and Vancouver, or, sorry, Fraser Valley, lower mainland um, as, a, as, a, as a really interesting place and uh, with absolute opportunity if you're really clear on what your strategy is, your investment strategy is.
0: If you want to be super strategic, you look at, look at the $3.5 billion announcement that uh, the B.C. government has made, and that is to replace the Massey Tunnel with a seven-lane bridge. Now, what do you think? Just logically, don't care what average sale price is at the moment, just in, in, just in basic logic, everyone who's listening should be able to see that that means that the demand for housing on the other side of the tunnel and property on the other side of the tunnel, um, when this bridge is finished, and it's 2022, that sounds like a long time away. Guess what? That's only six years. It's 2016 in a couple of weeks. So um, the demand for that property is going to go through the roof because now that's transportation is easier, it's easier to get to. It's a little less expensive than the north uh, of the of the tunnel, and and so suddenly, if you are thinking strategically, you look at the the headlines and go, Oh yes, the average sale price in Vancouver is nine point seventeen billion dollars. Like who cares? What you do is you start to place your money where the ripple is going to assist you then play, rather than play against you. Great insights into that, Don.
1: Now, shifting your attention into Alberta, we've touched on Alberta a little bit um, already in, throughout our conversation. But here's the first question I want to pose to you, Don, Is is... You know some people on the line might be going, well alberta alberta why do we we always hear about Alberta, but you know why should why should all Canadians really be paying attention to what 's going on in in alberta is the first question, and then the second one is what is going on in alberta and, and what uh, <laughs> what what can you uh, shed some light on that for us
0: well that 's interesting yeah I may mean, you live in double interesting times i 'm telling you it's uh, uh why should Canadians all pay attention because uh, frankly we're we 're all in the same ship together, and when you only have to have provinces and the rest are quote have not provinces and one of the have provinces starts to struggle and go into deficit and therefore not have the have um the have not provinces have got to start paying attention to what they're spending their money on and so right now with ontario spending their money um i was going to say about like a drunken sailor but i won't say that the um uh, because the the money was pouring in from the federal government which Flew, flew in from Alberta, um, and that that tap is turned off, you know, you're know you going to see some real issues starting to show up in the next three years, because that's why we all have to pay attention to Alberta, and um, we all have to understand that the economy is the economy, and um, you may be enjoying lower gas prices, but wait a second, in Vancouver we don't seem to be getting <laughs> lower gas prices, now that I think about it. Um, that, uh, that, that that that's good on many different levels, transportation, manufacturing, etc. But if that was the job creator from 2008 till till now, the major job creator in Canada being Alberta and Saskatchewan um, and those start to slow down, then you really start to see that there are other issues that will start hitting the federal government, which will then start hitting the provincial governments and their ability to get funding and that's why i always say you know there's lots of promises around infrastructure but we need to wait to see if anything's act, any checks are actually written and believe me i'll tell you right now there's gonna be lots and lots of announcements but i'm still going to wait until the the uh tractors are starting to move earth i'll tell you uh, there's going to be a lot of photo ops in the next little while the um and what, so what's happening in Alberta right now is the number one thing obviously is oil under forty dollars. Uh, the Canadian dollar has buffered us a little bit, but of course uh, the, the uh, type of oil that the majority of the oil that's created in Alberta, um, not so much in Saskatchewan, but in Alberta, is uh, is heavy oil, and the heavy oil um, is is going selling at a discount again further. So. Um, as we walk our way through, you start to see a, a new provincial government that's kind of finding their way, they're doing what they can do. Um, it's, it's going to be an interesting time because you've already got a struggling industry and now you've got a, a government that is trying to uh, fulfill some of their promises uh, that they got elected on, a provincial government. So, so you're starting to see new policies come in that are going to affect it even further at the exact wrong time. Um, you've got the new PST, uh, I mean, carbon tax that's gone in there. So that's going to throw off the economy a little bit. You're going to see which, um, which when I say economy, I say jobs. And when I say jobs, I say um, housing market demand and renter demand. We have massive, massive in-migration over the last five years into Alberta. Massive and, um, and that's buffered the values and the demand, housing demand in, in Alberta. And that's why we saw values going up 12% or 9% or 13% or 18% or 20%, depending on the year. And uh, that, that became normalized. Well, as soon as you start shutting down major industries, um, then guess what happens? That in-migration doesn't occur anymore as people go elsewhere to look for jobs. And uh, then, then that means that the vacancy rate starts to go up, and when the vacancy rate starts to go up, of course, the the rents start to plateau, and in some cases, uh, on the non-strategic investors or those who are, are are struggling to fill them, their first response is to lower their rents, which, by the way, is not the right response. But um, you do what you want to do. Um, and then if you start to lower the rents and then people – and you start to see the housing demand go down, then you start to see people go, well, you know what, we well, might as well stay renting instead of, instead of buying because the prices – our uh, rents are going down. So then the resale housing market starts to slow even further and the confidence in the market. And then the large capital people – you know, the guys who are putting billions and billions and billions of dollars into distribution and manufacturing and oil and gas in the province um, – because they don't know what policies that they're going to play under, and then the NDP government d- decides they're going to delay the royalty review release until January because it can't take another hit to the ship currently. So they're just going to say, "Well, why don't we wait a little bit?" And so that confusion keeps capital on the sidelines. Therefore, no more jobs are created that that capital would would create, and then those jobs create tax revenue. And if there's no increased tax revenue but higher expenses, then the provincial government goes into deficit and then they have to find ways in which to um, raise income. And uh, so right now there's so much confusion and so many mixed signals that um, uh, major employers are sitting on the sidelines, major investors are sitting on the sidelines, just waiting for clarity. Now that's, that's where we're sitting and that's how it'll play out in 2016. And um, you will see um, average sale price drops in Calgary for sure. Uh, in 2016 why because the um the higher end luxury market really slowed down and that's basic math right when the higher numbers start to disappear from your average equation then the average sale price goes down that's one of the reasons the other reason of course is that people are sitting uh, even consumers and home buyers are saying you know what i'm just going to wait because i think that maybe the market will start to slow down because of all the layoffs or they're sitting on the sidelines going, I don't know if I'm going to even have a job in a week, so I'm going to just continue to rent. So um, that's that's how that's kind of going to play out. Edmonton's buffered a little bit because of the major uh, uh, infrastructure that's being built there from the Arena District to LRT, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and so those types of things will buffer Edmonton a little bit longer um, but if oil doesn't recover in the next year, year and a half, you're going to see also Edmonton start to get hit at the same time. To me, because I have the majority of my uh, investment capital, or Connie's in my investment capital, is in Alberta. And that's why we obsess and, and pay very, very close attention to that marketplace. And um, and I'm seeing it as a fantastic time to re engage with my tenants, making sure that my tenants know that this is the best place in the city in which to live. And that includes lovely baskets for Christmas. And it, it, it includes, hey, maybe now is a great time to do some uh, nice renovations in the common areas. Maybe it's time to uh, tighten up on the management side and, and uh, make sure that they are picking the right people to run it. You know, all those kind of ideas. So we're proactively, as the cycle changes, uh, we change our actions. And now we're on the on the hunt for, in the next, you know, six months, uh, some more buildings to add to the portfolio. Because yield, yield, yield is so important to us right now. Cash flow is everything. And um, that's that's our plan. I think the economy is going to struggle with the mis... Uh, or the unclarity. I'm going to make up words now. The unclarity (laughs) of the direction in which uh, the leadership and the oil price are taking the province. And that can provide some opportunity for investors as long as you have a long-term window, five, seven, ten-year window. If you're thinking now's the time to flip, boy, oh boy, you're going to get yourself in trouble.
1: Wow, Don, uh, take a take a drink. <laughs> you
0: said you said a lot there. Sorry about that. Holy moly, my pen's <laughs> it's not that I haven't been par, 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 um, studying <laughs> it or anything.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's it's funny. Uh, one of the things you really uh, I want to hit on the hit the nail on the head was talking about the re engagement with the tenants and making sure your customers are you add that significant value to your customers having a conversation with an investor the other day, and we were talking about, you know, we're offering gifts and gratitude and thank you cards and, and Christmas baskets, and, and the other person said, oh, man, you know, things have been tight. I, I can't offer that to people. And I said, well, you know what? During <laughs> the tight times, that's
0: when you must offer that to people. Well, you people. must offer it all the time, but uh, yeah. but in, in More all so, times, yes. in the tighter times is the time yeah. to do it. Um, when times get tough, what's really, really funny to me to watch businesses, how they perform, when times get tough and cash flow is a little bit tight, the first thing that they start cutting is sales and marketing, which is the last thing you need to, to, to cut. You know, it's cut infrastructure, for crying out loud. Don't cut the, part, the, the piece that brings the capital in that you're looking for. You know? and It's the same thing in real estate. It's a, it's a, it's a very typical mentality of, of any uh, small business.
2: Yeah, I think there's a, I just want to add a couple of things to this. You know, they're just back on the marketing and sales. You know, there's a quote that Jay Levinson, uh, who's kind of one of the grandfathers of marketing, you know, he said, when times are good, you should market. And when times are bad, you must market. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's you, so, yeah, true. So, so true. Yeah. But I want to go back to your, you know, uh, this whole Alberta thing, Don, and, you know, the conversation around what's going on in Alberta, the uncertainty about it. We were talking a little bit about uh, Ontario, Eastern Canada, or Central Canada, uh, the difference between economies and and in perspective. So when I look at Alberta, having been born and raised there, having you know the majority of my portfolio in Alberta, like yourself, um, is so I'm paying really close attention to it. Uh, I know for me that I understand you know this for how I look at it is the psychology of what's really going on in Alberta. Um, is such a big part of what's going on and how important it is to, in fact, look at what's real. So looking at what's going on economically, what's real, because there's two parts to it. There's what's really happening. There's the future possibilities of what could happen. And, of course, the decisions that we make based on both of those those scenarios and the decisions that we're seeing others make, you know, so the corporation, other bigger corporations, the government, etc. what's going on with oil. You know, first and foremost, I look at, um, what's really happening in Alberta? So we're at the effect of it. You know, lots of my portfolio is in Edmonton, uh, a greater majority, of it is happens to be in Grand Prairie. So, you know, what gets normalized for is you know, so we know the peaks and valleys of a Grand Prairie, a small town, kind of a smaller uh, center, uh, and an oil and gas focus. We we understand the peaks and valleys. We prepare for it. It's you know we've learned lessons uh I always look at the expensive lessons we've learned. But as Albertans, what we've come to normalize, and we have come to normalize, for example, significantly lower gas prices. Just as an example, a significantly lower tax base, yet a significantly higher income base, you know, the average incomes of, of, of Albertans. We've lived in a world of 4.3% unemployment and that's all of a sudden what gets normalized you know I, I use the analogy of you know when you're driving down the highway at 140 kilometers an hour uh, or 140 miles an hour whatever number you want to use you're going down that highway fast it's easy you got cruise control set traffic's right you're just going and it's uh, it's real easy and then all of a sudden you have to slow down to do the speed limit and you go well it, and it feels very very slow and then you see maybe some construction and you have to slow down a little bit more so let's look at what the speed limit really is. You know, at 43 or 4.5% unemployment, you know, strong GDP growth, uh, it's going too fast. You're overdriving the car, if you will. It's not built to go that fast. And I don't believe the econ- any economy is really built to go that fast without taking some big risks and having some stuff happen. That's a pain. different, yeah. Yes. Slightly different conversation because you've got escalating costs. You've got labor costs. That go through the roof. You can't get uh, contractors. You, you, there's just so many things that are limiting in driving that speed. I look at you know because I own businesses in Alberta too, happen to be re- retail, but I know other businesses owners that are in other industries. My point is, is that all of a sudden you get to let's say a six percent unemployment rate, six point three percent unemployment. All of a sudden you start to see what labor becomes available, contractors become available, costs actually start to drop. And so that's more along the lines of the speed limit. From my perspective, I'm happy at 6% unemployment, to be honest with you, because it just makes life for me and from how I look at it simpler. Do I have to market a little harder to find tenants because vacancy rates? Go up a little bit because unemployment is a little bit higher. Absolutely, and and there's there's things that come with it, but that's what's normal. Now the reason I bring this analogy up, and I want to talk a little bit about more about it, Don, because it's always about perspective, Uh, how we are, what's real and what's perceived, and what is normal, what's not normal. You look at what's going on. National average for the longest time was you know seven percent unemployment. Uh, At one point, Toronto was eight percent. We look at what's going on in Ontario. And what Alberta experiencing has always been pretty normal. What, what, what Alberta is experiencing now is actually this, the speed of which Ontario has been traveling for quite some time. Our our members in Ontario are, they're used to having to market a property hard for 30, 60 days, not three or six days that Alberta <laughs> was for a while, right? Um, and so... There's two parts to it. Alberta's really gotten accustomed to moving the speed they are. We've slowed down to more normal, which is now starting to creep up to, holy cow, we're, we're hitting the national average in, in terms of unemployment. So that is feeling uncomfortable. Um, having said that, when we look into the future, we're going, okay, now we see some construction ahead and we better tap the brake and really decide how do we want to maneuver this construction or do we want to turn off and go around it and and take a different approach. You've got the construction, but you also have
0: on the highway now that's going to make you slow down is the fog of confusion around policy from the political level. And um, so so when that clears then you can see the construction to make really clear decisions. But you're still going to have tapped the brakes and you're going to double tap the brakes because of the fog of confusion um, is is kind of laying over your construction analogy as well.
2: Yeah, and and and, and that's perfect. And I, and I that's such a great analogy. It just puts things in a perspective that I think for us as real estate investors, we have to look at. You know, listen, Don, you, Russell, you know, myself, uh, people we know, and of course, lots of Rain members, uh, and investors. It's there's a part of getting used to that pace when it comes to investing in real estate, you know, we all love it. It's easy to market. It's, you know, you don't have to. You know, vacancy rates are so low. People are lined up to buy your units. And that is easy to fall into and go, I love this part of it. But, you know, when we look at what's going on economically in a province and what's going on with Alberta right now, to your point, you look at Edmonton. And, and the good news for Edmonton is that you look over a two or three-year period, you look at the infrastructure projects that are going on, I don't know the most recent up to today number of unemployment I but I think it you know in Edmonton it was like six point three percent I don't know if you have a more recent number Don
0: yeah heading closer um, to seven right now but yes yeah,
2: yeah okay so we we've, we've jumped up so so it is it's a, it's a time to step back and but but be true to what you know the first and then the other part of it is that with with Grand Prairie as an example when this First, you know, when oil started to drop, I mean, there was this big plunge, like wham, it was like, you get hit. And we we don't continue at that pace as well. So once again, the psychology of it and the reality of it is, is like, all of a sudden you drop, it's like the bottom dropped out. But at some point you go, okay, that's that first hit is, is now kind of over with. Now it's anticipating or saying, okay, looking at what the economic fundamentals are into the future, you know, is it going to, you know, are we worried about unemployment going to 14% or do we think it might hit eight and a half percent? That's where we slow down and start to look and analyze. And that's where you and I and the rest of the team are really paying attention to what the future holds.
0: Yep. And and it's easy to hide in the world of um, anger and fear. And we all go through it. um, Of course. Whether it's, whether it's against our property managers or our political leaders or uh, the Saudis for raising the, uh, the production of oil. But the, frankly, if you live there and you get stuck there, and you can see them on, it, on Facebook, those, those people who are, are stuck there, um, are, it, it'll kill you. It'll kill your portfolio. It'll kill you emotionally. Um, it, it'll probably make you not well as well. Not well as well but how can you be not well if it's killed you? Wait a second, that's a whole different conversation. <laughs> but, the, uh, but, but at the same time, is always you, you, at, acknowledge that the change is happened. Acknowledge that we need to tap our brakes. That's the secrets of the Canadian real estate cycle. It talks all about that. What do you yeah. do when things change? Okay, well, I should probably do this differently. And, um, and, 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 and Patrick is so right. And as soon as that fog lifts, Even if the policies aren't exactly what um, are supportive of the economy, at least then we'll know what the policies are and factor that into our spreadsheets and our our analysis so that we know exactly what to do. If it was just construction on the road, like i.e. low oil price, etc., we would know exactly what to do. We would slow down because as, uh, as Russ really pointed out, is that the fines double during construction. Well, if the fines double during construction, um, you really want to make sure that you've tapped the brakes and slowed down and being incredibly strategic about what you're doing. But when there's fog on top of it, um, there, a lot of people are just sitting there trying to figure out what to do next. And what to do next right now is, is manage the you-know-what out of your portfolio and in Alberta. And, and make sure you're being incredibly pragmatic. Try to try, try, try to remove as much of the emotion um, that, uh, that you may be carrying around it. Um, remove that out of the equation where you can. It's pretty, pretty impossible right now in that province. But at the same time, just don't fall back into the mind of a consumer or, or an informed consumer. Keep on that paradigm of strategic investor. And if you're ha- if you're having struggles or if you're having thoughts, get onto MyRainSpace.com, Start point. Uh, start posting your questions there. So there's thirty thousand other investors can give you feedback, including myself and Russell and the whole Rain team. Um, use the use use the Rain team and the Rain office for that support because that's what we've always done. And that's what we do, and it's nice to. It helps to get you out of sitting in the basement or sitting in the dark going, oh, my goodness, what have I done? Because once you step back a little bit and you look at um, what the steps are that you can do and what you do control, um, the, the fog lifts a little bit. But we're still going to be waiting uh, for the, uh, the, the other political shoe to drop. We just don't know what that shoe is going to be yet, and hence the fog. So great analogy uh, about the about the speeding to slowing down, because, you know, I don't know about you, Patrick, but 140 miles an hour on Highway 2 between Edmonton and Calgary, hey, you know, I've probably seen you do that once or twice.
2: <laughs> well, okay, I'm not admitting to anything in this conversation. But, I, you know, so, I think there's a really, you know, the, the one thing I want to just, you know, I know, Russell, I'm probably cutting you off. and uh, I don't know her, but I, just want, I want to point out one other thing here. You know, Don, we talk about this. Uh, We've both been in business a long time. Rain's been around a long time. And I just want to emphasize for the callers, you know, that are on uh, listening to or the listeners in this call is that this is absolutely the time that you've got to engage that I just encourage everybody to engage in the rain community to get out to meetings or to be online to you know or whatever it is it 's not the time to you know become and start to live in a bubble mm-hmm. uh, you, you know that 's easy to do thing, which we can all be guilty of. It is absolutely the time for you to engage in the community to get out to meetings to have conversations. The reality of what you know, and the great thing about the rain community is, there's some veterans who have been this through this before. It's a place to get grounded and go, okay, I'm not the only one going through this. You know what I'm going through, and there's some great insights, there's some great lessons to be learned, and great conversations to be had. You know, as as we're going forward, um, you know, into 2016 and planning our meetings. Uh, you know, Russell and the rest, and I and the rest of the team have been really being focused on saying, okay, what will members need in these meetings, and and how do you know what what do we need to show up and and present and or provide, uh, provide for our members so that when they engage, they're getting the support they need and they're they're getting the clarity that they want and they're getting the questions answered that they have. So. Um, I just wanted to, because it was just I, the, like, the psychology of all this and the reality of it all is that it's it's it sounds you know can be pretty doom and gloomish until you get into an environment where okay let's just talk about what's real and what's really going on.
0: Yeah, and 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 at the, sa- at the same time we all do it no matter if we've been doing this for twenty years. is sometimes at three o'clock in the morning waking up and going oh my god what have I done? And <laughs> yeah. um, and we've all done it and uh, and and probably continue to do it some of us. And, uh, and and that's okay, because that's how we're wired. But the, the the key is to not get stuck there. The key is to go, oh, my God, what have I done? What can I do to mitigate anything that happens to be going on? Do I need to, right now, as an Albertan, start uh, looking for places to buy in Alberta? Or do I need to start looking at maybe northeast British Columbia or, or Hamilton or Kitchener-Waterloo that uh, the RAIN guys talk about? Do I need to strategically place my capital in a different location, or do I need to spend that capital on keeping my current 50 tenants incredibly happy so that they stay around? So even if vacancy rates go up, you know, it's it, it, These are the discussions that are that are that are that strategic investors have. Consumers have the conversation going. Oh my God the housing market's going to drop 5% next year, 12% or 900% or whatever it is. Oh, my God, the interest rates are going to go up a quarter a point or a half a point uh, because of the, the federal government going into deficit. Um, uh, oh, my God, this – oh, my God. That, that. If you live there, um, guess what? Five years from now, you'll be in the exact same place you are now or in a worse spot um i that's why i suggest that these conversations that we have and the conversations you have online with the rain team and the, and and at the rain workshops etc are critical and it's not just to get you out to these events cuz it's it's it frankly from a rain uh, rain business perspective having you out is fantastic and we love it because of the energy but at the same time it's more for you guys uh, at this point as things change as policies change, as a national uh, uh, carbon tax maybe get brought in. Maybe the infrastructure isn't going to be spent because they don't have the tax revenues to do it. All those things, that's the stuff. That's the magic right now. You know, anybody can learn how to buy a piece of real estate and how to negotiate a deal, and I'd gladly teach you that, but it's the underlying other stuff that matters more than trying to save yourself a thousand bucks on how you close on a property, and then and and I know it's hard for some people to understand that because that thousand bucks is a lot of money, but uh, boy, if you buy the wrong property at the wrong time in the wrong place, that thousand bucks is going to be minuscule, and that's that's why I love that we've been doing this for twenty three years. That's why I love these conversations, and that's why it's so important, and why Russ, you and I were able to present what another 81 uh this year 10 year rain members and a, a a number of 20 year rain member awards because they get it they know what's going on and they know the importance that anybody can learn how to invest but it's how do you manage how do you manage the psychology how do you manage the econ- economics that um that is the real key to this game
1: wow Wow, great conversation, guys. And, and for, for those of you with your notes and taking your notes, just to, to bookend the uh, analogy, if you will, you know, traveling at the 140 kilometers, you know, entering construction zone, you've got to start tapping the brakes. There might even be some fog. And, you know, if you're driving in Alberta, there might even be a little black ice on the road at the same time. But the cool thing is you've got to slow down. You're still going forward. You're still accomplishing your goals. You have all your, you have your dreams, your aspirations of where you want to get to. And you're still getting toward or going towards them. It just might take a little bit longer, and you just have to change. your might even have to change road a little bit as well. So, and by
0: the way, we don't mind being the GPS that helps you get around all those things. Yeah. All right. Anyway, so, well, thank so. you, Russ. Thank you very yeah. much for having us on, my friend. And uh, and I hope that this provided some some leadership, and we're looking forward to a lot more in 2016. It's um and and you know what? Who knows. You and I might be able to have a few more of these conversations in the next few weeks because there's so much changing um, and so many moving parts that uh, strategic investors need to know, even though it's the holiday season.
1: So any other uh, final words? uh, uh, Patrick, would you like to leave a few final parting words with everyone here before we we do sign off? And Don, if you have a couple more uh, comments, uh, by all means, please chime in after.
2: You know, for me, uh, Russell, you know, Don, so first, guys, I just want to say thanks for the call. You know, I I enjoy these calls. It it allows us and gives us an opportunity to share kind of what our mindset is and what our perspective of things are. Um, You know, we're both, we're all, not both, the three of us, and we're all very confident in our ability to lead and guide, you know, our RAIN members. Um, You know, I just want to, so so I want to say once again I want to just say thanks Don it's always uh, it's always fun having these conversations with you and this was a really great way to uh share in the kind of conversations that you and I like to get into and and also you know for me I want to just you know maybe take a minute right now on this call just to say to rain members that you know to emphasize what Don said and that is to reach out when when you're feeling that uncertainty to you know to really lean on the team to to take advantage of my rain space to uh, kind of express where you're at and uh and be okay with it. Just know that when that confusion happens, uh, we're here to support you uh, you know, to try and get through it and uh and we're just here. That's all. And it's uh and 2016, um, you know, it's,
0: it's not going to it's not like the fog's going to lift on January the 1st. And nope. um, you know, uh, that week between Christmas and New Year's is when Connie and I always like to set the theme for 2016 and also to re Uh, re-review or how about we just review our uh, personal beliefs and make sure that we're on the right track. And I suggest you do that at the same time. And if your personal beliefs is strong, then you can follow the changes in the real estate cycle. um, Make sure that you're making the strategic smart moves. And, um, and and you know what, I've been through Kyoto. I've been through enough of these downtown downturns in the country and interest rate increases that um that I know that there's always always an action you can be taken uh taking, and uh, sitting in your basement in the dark is not one of those actions, so I look forward to uh helping everybody for many years to come. yeah, what a great place to leave leave
1: this off so first and foremost, um Patrick and dawn uh thank you very much. I know how busy both of you are. So thank you very much for sharing your insights and your, and your passion and your caring and your love and, and all your support. So just thank you very much for your time. Cheers. Cheers, guys. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for attending this. It's Russell Westcott from the Real Estate Investment Network. By all means, please send us some feedback. Info Rain Canada. Jump on to raincanada.com, share some insights. And ladies and gentlemen, please have yourself a wonderful holiday time and we'll talk to you very soon. Bye for now, everyone.
0: Thanks for listening and engaging with the Real Estate Insider podcast. A bold look at reality. Share the reality.